and welcome to Arcade Archaeology. We're joined by my graduate assistant, Luke Clevenger. Hello. Uh, you know, yeah, this is extra credit assignment, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll see, but you got to get them grades up a little bit now. I guess I'm... I don't know if I'm legally allowed to talk about that, though. Uh, today, we're talking about a uh, small known little thing, uh, Disney Quest. Little arcade, you may have never heard of it. Uh, is a regional ch- or chain of regional entertainments, uh, and indoor. I believe they called them indoor interactive theme parks, which I find to be an odd sentence, don't you? Yeah, let's just call it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. Um, it was a it was a big ass. Because... Yeah, I <laughs> I'll agree with it. I allow yeah. it. Yeah, uh, very is... large arcade. This is actually a, a unique one um, to me, but I, I feel like uh, many people my age might have had experience at Disney Quest, uh, specifically the Disney Quest down in Walt Disney World. Uh, I'm coming to appreciate into this episode kind of as a, I went there as a kid, right? Like probably six, seven, maybe I was eight. Um, I, it was before you were actually old enough to eat it, like because I was the one who yes. went through it as a, in the arcade. But then I went again as like probably tw- 13 year old um on big family vacation where i was like kind of too cool for disney so i went to the disney quest and i experienced it a second time with like jaded teenager eyes if that makes sense um so i have two very different memories and we'll expand on that uh coming up but nick why don't you kind of describe disney quest a little people so disney quest uh the experience we'll say uh sort of an arcade yeah uh had some arcade games but then they sort of had some like bigger attractions that were virtual and kind of edgy for the 90s not really edgy but on the edge wasn't of so- what entertainment could be yeah uh, they weren't they weren't so much like edgy as they were like the epitome and i'm gonna try and do this away from the mic so i don't blow our dear listeners heads out it reality so much like like edgy as it was like the epitome of like the 90s Whoa! Radical, cool, dude. Virtual reality, man. Like that was that was kind of what they set out to achieve in like a I, noise. Yeah, that I would find that accurate. Um, to my knowledge, it was one of the first like true consumer VR experiences. Um, it's just which I, is which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I I think we should I think we should kind of like walk through kind of the Disney Quest experience one started out with right so Disney Quest interestingly enough like it, it I remember it looking kind of like a massive office building uh, but like a round in uh, in Orlando right um, yes it, it it was it was kind of that it was very strange because it had absolutely no windows uh, which feels like a fire hazard to me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> but you walked in and you went kind of up this elevator, which we'll get into later because the elevator was its own thing. But basically they spat you out and I think it was five stories basically. And, and it was just of arcade machine after classic arcade machine after new arcade machine. And then each floor kind of had this individual, not only theme, right? Each floor like... I mean, they were all arcade themed. So, like, it was like, here's the yellow arcade zone, radical. Here's the red arcade. Like, 
you know? Um, right. But each there for the also had their own like individual mini attraction, which I'll get into, uh, which yes, we'll get into. We will. But I was mostly up before the arcades and the arc the amount of arcades I remember as a kid, the arcade machines. I mean, you had Pac-Man, Galaga, Cruisin' USA, uh, like even the Star Wars stuff. Disney even owned Star Wars. Uh, like it was just an unparalleled, unmatched amount of just ridiculous amounts of arcade machines. Which there weren't a whole lot of experiences like that left in the 90s. I mean, arcades, of course, have had a resurgence in recent years, video game arcades, not our type of arcades, of course. Um, but they, you know, they've come back in recent years out of nostalgia almost, like records have in a very similar fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, but Disney Quest was kind of unique, uh, not entirely unique as well as we'll get into. It had some competition. Um, but why don't we walk you through a couple of the uh, sort of e-ticket attractions, if you will. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to describe a couple I remember. How about I start that? And sure. tell me lightly about the ones that I'm remembering wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I remember... Um, there was a buzz year one, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm literally not looking at the run route right now. I'm looking at a picture of the windowless Disney Quest. So there was a Buzz Lightyear one, and the whole like floor or area of that floor was designed like blue, but with like the black light space carpet, right? Sure. Uh basic and that Buzz Lightyear looked like have you ever seen like indoor bumper carts at like a family funplex absolutely it was but likely glorified that but you could shoot little foam balls out of a cannon attached to your bumper cart and if it hit another bumper car it was difficult oh spin them around losing control of the spaceship kind of thing right um I remember specifically that one, and I don't know why I remember it. I didn't even go on it. I just remember visiting it again and looking at it with the jaded teenager eyes. And we'll back to my jaded teenager eyes, and I'll explain why that stuck out. But, Nick, is that one that I'm remembering, or am I making that up entirely? You are remembering that, and it's almost perfectly spot on. Thank uh, you. <laughs> it was like half a floor. Uh, it was sort of indoor bumper cars with a cage around them, the pit. and yeah. you would just fire balls at people. Yeah, because if you if it didn't have a cage around it, I definitely would have gone on on there and like shot it at the rest of the arcade, shot the foam balls like out of that. And oh yeah, well you would have shot them at me probably, inevitably. I mean, <laughs> I mean we're brothers, so I feel like it's my moral obligation to do. But, uh, but you know, I mean I would have, so <laughs> I still would. I one hundred percent. You're on. We got to find a functioning Disney Quest first. But so, what are some other e-ticket attractions they had, though? So there were a couple of ones that uh, I would describe as multiplayer arcades, uh, which is odd. Um, but uh, one of them was Pirates of the Caribbean. So make uh, Battle for Buccaneer Gold, which. Uh, you were operating as a group, and basically you were shooting at other it ships. Makes it sound, if uh, I remember this right, while also trying to I correctly, it uh, makes it sound way cooler than steal it actually gold was. From other pirates, which was kind of an odd. It was an odd expansion to the Pirates of the Caribbean realm. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so one of the major e-tickets that they had there uh e-tickets for those of you who don't know is what hold Disney on people <laughs> use to describe high budget attractions um one of them was pirates of the caribbean battle for buccaneer gold uh where you kind of like man a pirate ship with some screens around you uh which makes it sound like a universal ride um and then you just, yes, it does, um, because it was not an elaborate set, uh, and you were just you like shooting things with kind of a fake sorry, light I gun. like Discord um, just like shut on me, which in sorry. the '90s was kind of cool because the screen was really big, and like in the '90s that was hard to do, um, but up to four people, and you were trying to. Kill monsters, kill yeah. monsters, and uh, I, I, other dude, I was so close. All right, so kind of um, G for Disney. I, also, this is before twist. uh the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, um, yeah, that which is an interesting, which is an interesting. By the way, because like at that point, Pirates of the Caribbean was easily the lamest ride in the park, um, and also you said it's weirdly. PG. You have to remember this is around the same time as they wanted to build like like an alien actual xenomorph encounter in the park and that they did. Um so would you Yeah, but like it's weird though because it's like why would you lean when Pirates of the Caribbean the movie came out, it was like why ride and lean into this weird freaking ride to make a movie and then and it's like okay, but you leaned into it to make another ride about the lamest ride well, park at the time like this was before the movies this was like small world okay, levels so of lame this is kind of a separate discussion but i'll get into it for just a second i actually love pirates of the caribbean i get it's like low thrill like no thrill basically and kind of lame if you're like a roller coaster only person but it's calm it's air conditioned the sets are really nice uh and the design of it is phenomenal and the atmosphere is really nice. Uh, so going through it is actually quite enjoyable. It's not exciting by any means, but it is fun. Uh, similar to the Haunted Mansion. On okay. All right, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm gonna be. I haven't ridden it in forever. I haven't rode it in forever. So I'm gonna reserve judgment. And I'm going to say is that if you're going for whoa radical '90s theme for your teen-based Disney Quest amusement park, it's odd choice. That it is an odd choice. As is the next uh, so, ticket, uh, which is based on Jungle Cruise. You know Jungle Cruise. Wh- uh, why this one? I kind of get where they were going, <laughs> but the execution was weird weirder than pirates uh where it's literally called virtual jungle cruise because it was the 90s and if it had the word virtual in it it's like bitcoin of today who it's or blockchain did somebody say blockchain they said disney and blockchain <laughs> the same sentence doge disney coin uh so Virtual anyway, jungle the, cruise. Jungle so cruise. you have like imagine sitting in an inflatable raft, right? 
uh, you've done this. I've been with you doing this. And you're holding an actual physical mm-hmm. paddle, paddle, right? That's hooked up to kind of an yep. inflatable tube that measures where you're going with it. Very rudimentary. Mm-hmm. Uh And then you and like, uh, I don't know, six other people are just paddling down a river. But like, it's a fake river. And like, you're avoiding dinosaurs and you it's kind of like the Mario Party game where you have to paddle left and right and go down diverging paths and avoid things. Except you're actually paddling Say and so- there's no Mario Party involved. And you're just in Disney Quest. Yeah. Once again, once again, uh, I'm going to something that's going to become a theme here for Disney Quest. It sounds oh, it way cooler than it remember. was. You're working with like N64 era graphics you're, you're, at best. Have, yeah, and you're sitting in a stationary boat, and there's a whole level of like people. People really had in that this thing where they really like nostalgia things hard, and it's like okay, that was not updated since the time it was built. Like in that nineties nineties era, it was covered it, I mean, in jank. It was just covered. This, it was slathered in jank, and people don't remember that about some of the things of the. But this was one of those things. It's like you remember how cool of a rival it was. What you well, don't remember is how to jank put this it in was. Perspective, Luke, and this will really sell it to you. Uh, the location at Walt Disney World, best we can tell, was in development in the summer of '97 and opened June 19th, 1998. So it is a day younger than me. And it, yeah. This particular attraction closed with Disney Quest on July 2nd, 2017. Yeah, it not updated a day in between, I'm willing to. From what we understand. Yeah. So, what are some Uh, of our other attractions? So, there's Cyber Gun, which is the one I think that you might be into kind of after the fact. Um, So, Mm -hmm. close your eyes and imagine with me. Uh, so you get to design a roller coaster in front of, I believe, a touchscreen kiosk, which was very new for the time. Like, and I then remember you got, this. You could get in a yeah, yeah, you could and ride it, and it would like pitch and roll you, and then it was yep. hosted by Bill Nye. Yep, I remember that it, because it was also observed the right. Bill Nye was explaining to you like the physics behind roller yeah. coasters at the same time too. He was like, he was like, you're going to want to preserve momentum and preserve iner- inertia as a property of matter, of course. as is the Bill Nye meme. But like, it, it, yeah, it was actually that was yeah, I remember that being great. my favorite. Like, that's a great idea, and it's not the only time they've ever actually had that attraction. Uh, basically, the same thing was at Epcot a few years earlier, called the Sum of All Thrills. Uh, fun fact, I guess. Um, that one was Cyberspace Mountain. Um, there was also Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride, which was exactly as you expect. And then it's kind of, spoiler alert, like a flight of passage at Animal Kingdom. You sat on like a bike thing that kind of shook a little. And then you wore a VR headset. But you- Now, there is another Aladdin attraction that I remember. And this is one that you don't even like really think of. Um, you get in and Disney Quest, interestingly, is five stores. You get in and the only thing you can do is take the elevator mm-hmm. to the top upon entrance, right? 
and then you work your way right. back yeah. down and out. design shop, right? But the elevator in typical Disney fashion, right, which I am not a Disney guy, but I give them props for this. Even the elevator was designed to like, it was basically 360 degrees mm -hmm. screens and yeah. including the roof, right? It was designed to make it look like Robin Williams genie, rest in peace, is out there like, we got to get you to the top of the, you're going to love it. You're going to, and you're like writing, yeah. like you're like writing. A, a magic carpet, but in reality, you're literally just taking an elevator up, slow elevator, by the now, way, up five stories. I would argue it was probably slow because they were trying to storytell with it, which, yeah. Right, right. That's uh, why it's slow. I do specifically recall as like a six-year-old uh, being absolutely terrified uh, of this. Like, because I had never seen Aladdin yeah, and I, I had no experience that. with Robin Williams. So like, so like. I remember that. If you're not used to Robin Williams' energy, and then suddenly you're in a dark elevator, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, you're going to be a little scared, because, like, he's really excited, and you don't is know this why. Uh, <laughs> oh, I remember that. You cried, man. I, I don't I mean, mean to, like, turn this into, like, like this is oh, media, absolutely. but you cried, I mean, man. I six-year-old he <laughs> cried, but, like... Uh, so... <laughs> There were also three, not really E-ticket, mm -hmm. maybe like C-ticket, if you will. Um, but rides that I would call marketing research attractions. And I say that with a question mark because it's kind of weird. But one of them is Sid's Create-A-Toy, uh, which is themed after Sid from Toy Story. And then you just swap some parts into uh, and make a toy that you could buy. Now, you tell me that they weren't like keeping an eye on what sold really well. And then just properly selling that, like, uh, yeah, they were they were totally it was is market. Oh yeah, uh, same with uh, the Radio Disney song maker, totally market research. I I remember that. I remember uh, that one. And for those of you not uh, who are unaware, basically you would get into a booth and you could like record some audio, and then you just like layer it into like pre-built songs and then you could like listen Radio to yeah uh, it's also easy to forget this was a weird niche but uh as somebody who works in the radio industry um radio disney was everything for a second and then it just suddenly wasn't mm -hmm. um but at, th at this point radio disney Ra disney owned several eternal uh stations syndicated throughout the united states uh, and they would like it, like it was pre Hannah Montana even, but like market read it on, and they just had whatever the latest Disney pop star was, and a DJ called BB Good. Uh, I remember her, uh, <laughs> uh, just blasting everywhere. So again, market research is a theme from Disney and, Quest. Uh, I do remember that, and I think uh, our local the radio Disney station is now just like a HD radio station that you can only get, like it's a backup on one of the other stations. Yeah. The, so, did they have other attractions, uh, Nick? Those were the notable ones. They did have some other ones. Uh, I mentioned that they had one based on uh, extraterrestrial alien encounter, uh, which was a very short-lived ride in the Magic Kingdom that eventually turned into Stitch's Great Escape, which is also like critically panned. Uh, where the original idea was that. Uh, you were kind of getting up close and personal with uh, the Xenomorph from Alien. 
Um, but then they decided not to use Xenomorph because that would be an R-rated movie in the Magic Kingdom. They couldn't have that. So then it was just a random alien that was also trying to kill you. Um, and something about parents not liking their children scared said, oh, let's get rid of this within a year. Um, but the plot for that particular attraction at Disney Quest, uh, you ride in a rescue vehicle and try to save the astronauts while shooting enemy aliens. The- pretty simple. Yeah. Uh- by the way, by the way, um, if this is a little bit of a tangent, we'll get back on. Uh, Radio Disney, uh, WSZ was what it was, out of uh, Belleville, Illinois, in St. Louis. It's broadcasting to the St. Louis market. Sold to Salem Media Group in 2015. Went silent in 2015. Here is one of the weirdest moves I've ever put. Uh, if you are a radio aficionado, you know that the AM, the FM signal is much clearer than an AM signal. It just re- Radio Disney broadcast music on a 12:60 a.m. Really, which compresses music to be almost like ridiculously well, it's unlistenable. Like listening through like um, four different sets of help lines. Yeah, yeah. Which like there's a reason why AM is like generally always talk. Uh, so anyway, it's just weird to me that Disney would uh, broadcast music on a station instead of actually get an fm signal and it's a weird choice like almost doomed to fail anyway back to disney quest so, uh, those were the notable rides at disney quest um there was one where uh like it started off as you would drive a remote control truck around and like collect things in a maze treasure of the incas uh which would eventually close um because cell phones became a thing and they started getting interfered with and then a truck caught fire uh in the maze uh which as we already stated this building is windowless it's just a big blue box with some like 90s mouse ears painted on it so like that's terrifying so they just closed it and like didn't replace it with it they just closed it uh and then uh, the only thing that ever got replaced in in this uh, area or in this whole building, basically, was the arcade machines. And then one Hercules ride that got turned into Pirates uh, because Hercules stopped being, like, the movie of the year. Yeah. Uh, so Disney Quest, if you didn't pick up on, like, our first episode, doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. <laughs> So I is is this the time where like I talk about like my impressions as a teenager, or is this the time where we talk about kind of what happened to the Let's idea? Let's go into what happened to the what the what happened to the idea. Then we'll get into your impressions because I I think we can start with one and then get into the other. Um, yeah. So the original idea for this, uh, they opened the first one. In Walt Disney World, because that's always a very uh, fertile testing ground for Disney ideas, is Walt Disney World Resort, and they have unlimited people to try it, and unlimited space to do it, basically. Um, And then they were going to open a bunch of these across the U.S. They had one built in Chicago that opened for a year, or maybe two years. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, it it says here um, June sixteenth, ninety nine to uh, what is that September fourth, two thousand one. Yeah. So that is it. Barely had a yeah, life. Well, and ironically, it, it closed right before the travel downturn of nine eleven, which is an odd time because to close people aren't going to want to travel to Disney World, but they are going to want to taste the Disney. Not that they would have had any knowledge of that, but like. That may have saved it, weirdly, you know? Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But they also had, like, a site cleared and a hole dug for the foundation in Philadelphia, which got to, which was just a hole for 15 years or so, and they got turned into a parking lot, uh, which it is to this day. Uh, there was also a plan for one in Anaheim, and there was a plan for one in Toronto that never really got off the board because the one in Chicago failed so spectacularly and so quickly. And the one in Chicago oh, was weird. I, I, yeah, because it really? was downtown. It, uh, that, yeah, you know, I remember seeing a picture of that, like faint memories as a kid, and it was just like... Just... No. It was it was just a downtown building, and like it, it's interesting because you try and turn this into a destination, but you just have a, like a generic downtown building. But at the same time, though, I feel like that's kind of where you want it. You want it in the touristy area. The downside, though, is that you can't really get a full Disney this hullabaloo if you just walk into a building in the middle of downtown, especially one that's you know? only a hundred thousand square feet. Which is small for. By the way. I mean, it's uh, by no small. a small building, but like that's not a lot of space to do what you're trying to do here. To do a fi- compared to a five story arcade. Yeah, I mean, twenty thousand square we, feet of floor. I mean, that's not a ton. A Walmart's a hundred thousand square feet. Yeah, um, which, by the way, uh, I would like to point out. Hold, uh, we did a bit of googling. Um, Philadelphians actually still refer to that parking lot as the Disney. Indeed, hole. they do. Yeah, and apparently. As, as apparently that was what it was called for a long time. Hold on, boys. There's Disney Hole. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Save the Disney <laughs> Hole. Save the Disney Hole of at course. 8th and Market. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, all right. <laughs> but, but so this was one of the things about Disney Quest. And this was something like is kind of transferred in ideology to things we see today. But at the same time, um, is something that's left in the past is it wasn't the only let's build an indoor theme park entertainment no, it was complex. Not. And there none of this is super founded either. Uh, but there's a very strong rumor. Um and it's not the first time we've seen this rumor either, or a rumor like it anyway, that it was actually a knee-jerk response to uh, a small arcade chain that opened called GameWorks. Uh, which was founded by Sega uh, and opened in Seattle in the summer of 1997. Uh, and the reason Disney would knee-jerk react to that is because a small company called DreamWorks was involved with it. DreamWorks, founded, of course, in part by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Luke, how much do you know about Jeffrey Katzenberg and the Walt Disney Company? Uh, well, Jeffrey Katzenberg, um, it comes from a Germanic family, and his name actually is in the Germanteau of uh, the German word Katzen, which is a cat 
and actually the old Norse explorers in the German area uh, would ride ice flows, and they would call that, like, which is where the word icebergs come from. Um, so he was kind of a descent of men who simultaneously rode uh, these icebergs into the northern Germanic regions, and uh, which is where the cat's iceberg, that's where his last name so is. Nick, I don't know anything about Jeffrey Katz. So when Michael Eisner took over the Walt Disney Company in the early 80s, the Walt Disney Company was was an absolute shambles. It was. It's very easy to forget with the juggernaut that it is now that like Walt Disney at one point like in in, in a bit of trouble. Uh, They were under like three consecutive threats to be bought by uh, green mailers and corporate raiders and just split up and sold to its constituent parts. There was one point where uh like they were the parks were going to be sold to MCA Universal. Uh which is weird and like strange to think about. Especially cuz Universal now is like the little brother park. <laughs> well, it's like, it's even it's actually like they're really strong nowadays. Like they're with since Harry Potter opened, especially the second Harry Potter, they're like on board they just don't have as many parts is the problem but uh michael eisner took over the walt disney company as president and chairman uh with his man frank wells um as his uh chairman of the board i believe uh, i don't clearly remember the relationship offhand um but they were 1a 1b of the company um and eisner knew a lot about running a studio but he didn't know a lot about running an animation studio because only Disney did that in the era. Um, DreamWorks didn't exist, and animation, as far as movies goes, really didn't exist. Uh, Or outside of Disney, didn't exist much. So he decided, all right, I'm going to call up my buddy from Paramount, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he's going to work with Roy Disney uh, to just reignite this animation studio that's been slumping for several years. And Jeffrey Katzenberg lit that studio on fire. He did Beauty and the Beast. He did uh, Lion King. All of the Renaissance era movies are Jeffrey Katzenberg produced. Um, and they're obviously they're all amazing. Um, but then in the 90s, they got into a contract dispute. Uh, just before this so he decided he was going to leave the company uh and sue disney for a bonus that he was owed but disney didn't think he was owed because michael eisner is kind of a vindictive person um and he formed dreamworks with that bonus along with spielberg and uh david geffen noted record producer uh so michael eisner not only hated jeffrey katzenberg but also hated DreamWorks. So when they, when he saw that they had a project with Sega to open arcades, and he thought, this might be something, he knee-jerk designed something. And we think, like, the rumor kind of is that it was only in works for two, or maybe even one year before it even opened, which... And it became Disney Quest. Right, it became Disney Quest. And for being oh, like designed for two, one, maybe two years, 
that's not a lot of time for something like this. If you're going to do something groundbreaking like this, which it was in the 90s, it was I'd... outlandishly groundbreaking. You know, it was amazing, the technology. Mm-hmm. You need more time to bake, you know? It... You do. And the thing, too, is I don't think they realized, maybe they did at the time, but the rate at which technology improves, to me, says that Disney Quest at that moment, Disney Quest, we're going to have groundbreaking this and that was doomed to fail from the outset because he, Nick Disney rest was groundbreaking when it opened. And then I went there at 13 years old, right? So probably uh, a decade after it opened. Right? Yeah. And it was the most like, I was like, this is stupid, lame and out of date. Right. And I bet you, if you redesigned it when I was 13 years old, the rate it was used to, just booting up the Xbox 360, yeah. right? Uh, Nick, it would be super out of date and super lame today, right? The, the, the which technology improves. And if you want, if your model is being on the cutting edge of magical VR experiences like that, you're doomed to fail because you're going to keep trying to develop new things. And by the time you put it out one year down the road, it's out well, of date. Well, it, yeah, it's very much a Tomorrowland problem. Yeah. Um, which is something Disney deals with in Tomorrowland, where you design something to look futuristic and be a future from where you're designing it from. God. But once you get two years out from that, that's not the future anymore. And it just looks outdated. Yeah. It's it's like I'm sorry. To say, it's like the futurism of the uh, 1950s Googie architecture scene in like Los Angeles, where yeah. it's like, look at the f- the buildings of the future, and it's like, I love those. But like that, say Irosarnan's buildings are not projections from the future anymore. They're what in the fifties and sixties we thought the future it's was going to be. And I happen to, right? And I happen to love my favorite. But if you're shooting for futurism, retrofuturism is the exact opposite. Yes, of it. it is. Although, gotta say, love me some retrofuturism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, props to Irosarnan, probably on architect. Just okay, kiss. so, so we had Disney Quest. Uh, we have one other project uh, that was ESPN Zone, where they kind of did a similar one, but ESPN Zone was more of like a Dave and Buster's to my memory. It kind of was, and then it was also more like Buffalo Wild Wings-ish. Yes. With an like, attached arcade in some places. Yeah, I went to one in Denver uh, with Dad, and I think you were probably there after probably a rock was. pizza game. Um, but I went to one ESPN Zone. I liked it. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is there's a place in, at least here in St. Louis, there's a few. It's the Great American Brewers Company. Yes. And don't think of Disney Quest as like a Dave & Buster's or an arcade. Think of an American Pizza Company where it's here, uh, like a little movie theater for the kids and a big arcade and there's indoor go-karts and there's a roller coaster indoors. Ooh, is it the go? But like what they don't tell you is that like, the the roller coaster is a little figure eight junior kitty coaster. All right, like yeah. What they don't tell you is that go karts top out at five mile an hour, and you can keep it pinned throughout the uh like three hundred foot oval they have designed. What they don't tell you is that every table is sticky. Me every game like half the games are out of date. The Guitar Hero machine doesn't work right. Right. That is what Disney Quest was. To yeah, I, once the Chicago one failed. The only reason they kept the Orlando one open was because it still made money and yeah, did like for a very long time. 
And they were just running out the clock on their investment. Yeah. So here's where I talk about going back at it with uh, jaded teenager eyes. Because I remember going back at 12 or 13, I was like too hip. Oh, these Disney movies aren't very cool, man. You know? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember going like when as a kid, I was like, that is the most magical place I've ever been. It's just arcades for endless arcades. And I was so hyped to go up and it's a bit and you're like, you meet your hero and like you worship William Shatner your whole life. And then you meet William Shatner and you realize he's kind of adult and maybe a douche <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I should have, I should have got hyped about LeVar Burton this whole time. You know, um, <laughs> it was, yeah. like, I went and I just remember like the carpet was like, I want you to think about arcade level carpet. And it was bowling alley. Bowling alley, Chuck E. Cheese level carpet. Mm -hmm. Every one of the rides had at least one thing wrong with it. Or like oh, yeah. broken and out of service. Working a solid eh, fifth of the arcade machines just weren't working. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um and I remember you thinking, even if they were all like like this ride's lame as all hell. Like this, this These little are, bumper car thing, it just looks, you look at it, to do. It doesn't well, look fun. Some of the stuff aged, like classic Nickelodeon stuff does now, you know? Yeah, where you like, you're like, really? This is what passed? Well, or, and like, it, you know how that feeling of going to Nickelodeon Universe, Mall of America, probably going to come to this podcast eventually. Yeah. Um, Rest in peace, Camp Snoopy. Sure. Rip Camp Snoopy for sure. Uh, but like, remember when you first went there and it was like some of the older IP and it was like, oh, that's kind of on its way out. But like, it's still classic, right? Mm -hmm. And then I had some of the new stuff and it's like, yeah, that stuff's not that great, but like, in it's new, it's hip, whatever. And then you go back and you look at the lineup like today and it's literally the exact same. Yeah, like like when you went the Oker and still tacking the power of Juju and like the the name of that ride was the Mighty Axe Head and now it's tacking the power of Juju and they released two media this is platformers in the nineties or in the mid two thousands and a terrible TV show that lasted for about eight episodes and they named the ride they, after it. And you can go there and you're like this I think this they still have a backyardigans ride. Yeah, like this is this is what passed. It's weird. Right. Yeah, it, and it like and it sticks is the weird thing. Like I get doing it to promote whatever show you're on. Mm -hmm. Uh and this is similar to Buzz Lightyear, the Astro Blasters ride you were talking about. But then in in the ten years, even if like it's literally just a rename and a paint job, get it up to date. Like, come on. Like change it to something. Don't don't just let it languish, you know? Make it look like you care a little bit. Even if it's a small bit, a little bit goes a very long way in this particular area of design. Um, but they never did. And after, like, 12 years of it being opened, it was just turned over to the parks. Like, Disney Regional Entertainment stopped existing, mm -hmm. and the last ESPN zone basically closed, and it was turned over to... Uh, Disney Parks and Resorts, I think. Um, which the last one was in Anaheim, and I think that closed pretty recently. Maybe last year, two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then they decided, 
and this is weird to me, they decided they're going to replace it with the NBA experience. Yeah, they replaced it with like an NBA mix, like just kind of, I, I don't know how to say it. Other Dave than and experience. Busters. Yeah, NBA Dave and Busters. Yeah, that's it's a restaurant plus an arcade, and it's NBA themed. Or at least that's all I've got out of it, and there's a gift shop. Which, like, I get them wanting to co-brand, because ESPN and NBA have a huge TV contract. They get it. But it's just bland. And the food isn't great, because mm-hmm. it's what you expect. And, or, well, that's what I've heard anyway. I've not been. I haven't wasted my time at Disney on the NBA experience. Um, but, yeah, the, that's sort of the history of what happened to Disney Quest, is... It came out the gate big, kind of explosive. It got ran down and then was just bland for the rest of the time. You know? And even to this day, the site it's on is just bland. Even the architecture for it's bland. It it really is. So uh anything else to hit with Disney Quest there? No. I think we've covered it sufficiently. We if there's demand, we'll do a uh, entire class on uh, Disney Regional Entertainment. But uh, that's a topic for another class. So uh, thank you to my grad assistant for uh, helping out with today's lecture. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.